are Locked On Louisville, your daily podcast on the Louisville Cardinals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everyone? Welcome in to another episode of the Locked On Louisville Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Pence. A new week upon us. It is officially game week. Well, I guess you could say in theory, considering that the season opener for the Louisville football team is a week from today as the Cards will take on Ole Miss and Atlanta. So there's going to be a lot of content this week. We're going to begin the show today by talking about why I think that Louisville football is going to go back to its 2019 form in terms of success. And then we'll transition into asking the question, is Ole Miss the biggest test on the schedule outside of Clemson for the Cards? I think so. Find out why here in just a little while. And then in the last segment, we will do our weekly Monday mailbag. Before we get into the content, like I said, my name is Dalton Pence. I am a credential media member for Cardinal Sports Zone, where I serve as a feature writer and a recruiting analyst. And also do some backup PA announcing work for the university in various sports such as soccer, baseball, lacrosse, field hockey, etc. You can find my Twitter at dpence underscore. You can also follow the podcast Twitter page at LO underscore Louisville. And obviously, we're here five days a week free on all podcast platforms talking about your Louisville Cardinals. But if you're an overall college football fan, we've also got you covered at the Lockdown Podcast Network. Tune in to your favorite Power 5 conference show on Thursday, September 26th, and Friday, September 27th. Search Locked on ACC, Big 10, Big 12, Pac-12, and SEC on the Odyssey app, or wherever you like to get your podcasts. So let's get right on into the show. I personally think that the past two seasons for Louisville football has kind of been like a, a tale of two cities. 2019 was very optimistic. There was a ton of success, a lot of one-score wins. And then in 2020, it seems like that phenomenon and trend were flipped on their heads and the cards went 4-7 and seven and struggled and um, ultimately didn't see the success, obviously, that the previous year had held. But I do think that this year is going to be a lot like the 2019 season and for many reasons. But the number one, in my opinion, is the turnover margin. On Media Day a couple weeks ago, Scott Satterfield said in his press conference and basically just admitted, you know, that it's simply hard to win ball games when you turn the ball over that much. It's hard to get a rhythm on offense, especially when you're trying to come back and, you know, when you're giving your opponent good field position and it's hard for the defense in turn to be able to uh, mask over some of those mistakes, but not only you know turning the ball over, but the lack of forcing turnovers was an issue as well. I know the Cards were, I think they turned the ball over 24 times last season, which was bottom five in the in the FBS. But also the Cards were 119th in the country in turnover margin and minus 12. They forced 12 turnovers, um, which. 119th is a bottom 10 in the FBS and I get it I mean it's hard to have a good turnover margin when you are turning the ball over at the rate that the cards did last year but also at the end of the day what we have to focus on I think the coaching staff knows this as well um, if Brian Brown's presser is a telltale sign of anything it's that you know the turnover issue has been addressed on both ends of the field it's not just the fact that the offense turned the ball over, but it's also a mixture of the defense dropping wide open interceptions, capitalizing on not only creating turnovers, but you know completing the process and getting your offense some good field position. That's where you have to really hone in on. And it seems like the team, you know, they keep mentioning this turnover circuit that has been focused on in practice, and it seems like you know the turnover issues have been addressed. Throughout the spring offseason and heading into fall camp, but obviously we won't be able to know 
how that turns out until the season's actually played. Um, and another aspect of the turnovers that, in my opinion, is kind of often overlooked is the field position battle. Uh, ESPN's David Hale had a Twitter thread late last week that was very interesting to me. I'm going to read a couple of these tweets. So he says, on drives beginning in their own territory, Louisville's scoring margin was plus 80, which was 19th best in the FBS. Every team plus 50 or greater finished two games over 500, but the only two teams that didn't were Louisville and UCLA. Louisville was 4-7, and seven, obviously. Um, on drive starting midfield plus, Louisville's point differential was minus 48, was 15th worst in the country. The 18 teams with better scoring differentials better than Louisville on drives starting in their own territory had a combined win percentage of .813 while the cards were well under 500. Hale finishes the thread by saying in 11 games, Louisville had just 9 drives start at the midfield or closer. Um, and the opponents had 22 drives start the midfielder better. Only teams worse were Louisiana, Monroe, Eastern Carolina, Texas Tech, Georgia Tech, South Florida, Kansas, and Navy. The Louisville's net starting field position was minus 7.1 yards, which was a staggering 111th out of 117 in the FBS. So I think the writing is on the wall there, and that's kind of the aspect of the turnover issue that doesn't get um, highlighted enough, in my opinion, is the fact that not only are you turning the ball over, stalling momentum on offense, making it tough to get into a rhythm and leaving points on the board, but another thing that is happening is the direct result of turning the ball over, and a lot of times it's giving up good field position to an opponent, and it's hard for defenses to really take a step forward when you're having to you know, rely on masking over some offensive issues and, you know, starting drives at the 50 or even in Louisville territory is not a recipe for success for this Louisville defense. And it's definitely not a good look for the Louisville offense. So you can kind of spin the Louisville turnover battle as you will. Um, the issue, in my opinion, was very simple last year. The Louisville defense did not create enough turnovers and the Louisville offense did not hold on to the ball enough. So Obviously, yeah, the groundbreaking developments here on the Locked On Louisville podcast. But, you know, I think the coaching staff knows that. I think the team knows that. Um, you know, we have every reason to believe that this is a team that is going to go back to its 2019 form in terms of ball security. Satterfield's always been known as a coach that leads a program that really um, establishes ball security, doesn't turn the ball over a lot. So I choose to look at this season, at this past season, I should say, as an outlier in that regard. But um, only time will tell. We will see right out of the gate against Ole Miss what uh, the Louisville ball security is going to be like. But, you know, outside of that, I mean, we've talked about the added depth. Guys coming back for, um, you know, a sixth season like C.J. Avery, bringing in grad transfers all throughout the defensive secondary, um, bringing back a lot of the offensive line and adding in some newcomers. Um, you're bringing back one of the best linebacking cores in the ACC, one of the best cornerback duos. Uh, Malik Cunningham is looking to take the next step forward. The running back committee is going to be solid once again. There's a ton of talent all over the field for the cards. Um, and another thing that we can't overlook is the fact that this is another year in the Satterfield system. There's more comfort. And there's just a better understanding of the schemes on both offense and defense. I talked to a couple players at Media Day, and they confirmed that the past year or two has been more so of getting to know their positions in terms of the system. And now, 
with that added expertise, you are adding in the understanding of the defense as a whole and learning, you know, if you're a cornerback, learning how the defensive line works, learning how the linebacking core works. So there's just a better overall understanding um, among this group of players. And like I mentioned, you add in the depth, you add in the talent. And um, I think it's going to be a pretty solid season for Louisville. I think it's going to be a bounce back from a, a four and seven year that you know, like 2019 was kind of built on one score games. They won a lot of them in 2019. 2020 was the pretty much the exact opposite. The turnover battle could have been the difference between going uh, four and seven and possibly eight and three or seven and four. So, um, you know, if, if the cards didn't turn the ball over that much, we could be singing a different tune about this past year and as a, re- as a result this upcoming season. But I do think they're going to um, get past this outlier of a season. That was 2020. Uh, before we get into Ole Miss and the challenge that that team poses, I want to discuss a little bit about Sweat Block. Um, shout out to the company for sending me a care package uh, two weeks ago. I have fallen in love with the product. They're doctor-created, doctor-recommended, antiperspirant wipes, deodorant, cream, etc. They work for up to seven days per use. And there's a dry shirt guarantee, so if Sweatblock doesn't keep you dry, you can get your money back. It's featured and tested on the Rachel Ray Show by Firefighters. And it's a bestseller on Amazon for the past 10 years with over 13,000 reviews manufactured right here in the United States. So you're able to wear what you want to wear. It's your little secret to confidence, and it's a must-have for everyone's toiletry bag. Whether it's a big presentation or a hot date, everyone can benefit. So I I get it. I understand. I know it's going to sound too good to be true, but I literally have only had to use sweat blocks once or twice a week, and it has kept me dry the whole time. So there is no more pitting out. There's no more picking your shirts based on which one will hide the sweat better. If you or someone you love is dealing with this, you have to check this out. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with the promo code locked on or at Amazon or at CVS. So in the opening intro, I asked the question, is Ole Miss going to be the biggest test on the schedule for Louisville outside of Clemson? I said yes, and there's a couple reasons why. Before we get into the Ole Miss rationale, we need to look at the schedule as a whole and kind of pinpoint where the other toughest tests could be. And I think it's kind of misconstrued in a sense of toughest test of what we're defining that as because I think everyone and their brother is assuming that Clemson is going to dominate Louisville and blow them out, which uh, shouldn't necessarily be a shock to anyone. But um, in terms of toughest test, I, I guess you can consider Clemson to be a toughest test because they are, um, you know, by definition, a test to see where the cards are. But, um, you know, in terms of overall competition and being able to stay in the game, I think that Ole Miss is going to be, you know, the team right behind that. If you look at some other teams that could fit that bill, I mean, you have NC State, you have possibly Kentucky, uh, you also have Central Florida, um, but at the end of the day, I don't think that Kentucky is a better team than Ole Miss, nor do I think Central Florida is either, and I don't necessarily think that the Knights are going to have the opportunity to really showcase any different um, with it, with them being in the American Athletic Conference and just the overall opportunity to prove themselves. I don't think that this is going to be a team that can go undefeated and claim a fake national title again. Outside of that, when you look inward to the ACC, NC State is supposed to be pretty solid. A lot of people have them picked second in the Atlantic Division, but at the end of the day, 
they're not going to be necessarily setting the world on fire. And if we're going to kind of give the benefit of the doubt, I'm going to go with an 8-4 and four team in the SEC over an 8-4 and four team in the ACC. And then looking elsewhere on their schedule, you know, there's no other opponent that really matches up with the level of product that you're getting from Ole Miss. In terms of the Rebels and what they have to offer, simply put, I think they're going to have one of the best offenses in the SEC and quite possibly one of the best offenses in the nation. I'm not trying to like blow smoke and overhype this offense, but really when you break it down, I mean, this is a team that kind of found their rhythm at the end of last season. Matt Corral, really busted onto the scene, secured that job after not being able to truly do so in 2019. Um, and even when you have Matt Corral, you do have John Rice Plumley, who is able to um, you know make a lot happen with his legs. You do lose uh, Elijah Moore and Kenny Yaboa, and there's a lot of youth at that wide receiving core, but you do bring back Dontario Drummond and Braylon Sanders. So there is some expertise and experience that you're returning to the a young wide receiving core uh, offensive line wise was extremely young last year but they do bring back a lot of experience four starters are back uh, veteran center ben brown will be the leader of that offensive line but i think the number one uh, issue for the cards coming into this game and why it's going to be such a good test is if you look back to the Louisville rushing defense last year, 80th in the nation, I believe they gave up just under 180 yards per game on the ground to opponents in 2020. And Jerry and Ely, uh, speedster, do-it-all, Swiss Army knife type of back for the Rebels is going to be extremely tough to stop. Um, and he's kind of the, the type of running back that Louisville has kind of historically had problems with in the sense of guys who can not only uh, bounce between tackles that are smaller in stature, but also you know when you get them the ball out in the open field, whether that be on an out route in the flat or whether it be an outside handoff, regardless, if you give him space to run, he's going to bury you. One of the most explosive players in the SEC this season. He's set to have a breakout year. And with, you know, another year with that offensive line and how they're growing and getting more experience, the wide receiving core is going to have to take some time to be able to develop. So that aspect of things might not be uh, too tough for Louisville. However, you do bring back Matt Corral, like I said, who came into his own at the end of last season. It's going to be extremely hard to stop for the cards. Not only can he throw the ball, efficiently but he kind of has a little bit of Johnny football in him and, and when I watch him he's not the biggest quarterback but when the play breaks down oftentimes he's able to make things happen whether that's scramble and throw or be able to uh, scramble and run up through the defense so I think that the Louisville defense is going to have to spy on him really well and contain him throughout this game or it's going to spell trouble I also saw something that Really interested me uh, in terms of a tweet. It was actually tweeted out yesterday by uh, Mark Blankenbaker. Uh, Lane Kiffin went for it on fourth down 33 times in just 10 games. That was the most in the NCAA FBS per game last season. And that, that kind of goes to show you, you know, you're going up against one of the better offensive play callers and offensive minds in college football. And uh, it could definitely be a long night for the cards if they don't get the Rebels off the field offensively. And, you know, you have to look at it in sense of a four down 
theories because if it's close, we've seen throughout history that Lane Kiffin's a guy that is not scared to go for it at all. So definitely have to look at that Ole Miss offense as a measuring stick for the Louisville defense. Uh, defensively, Ole Miss is really trying to find their ground. It's going to not necessarily be the same tune that you're going to see offensively in which it seems like that offense is going to click right away. The defense, there's a, there's some concerns. I mean, they do have you know the guys on the defensive line, uh, KD Hill, how Northern, both are over 300 pounds at that nose tackle position. Um, they do have some experience issues at linebacker. However, uh, Jacques Jones transferred to Kentucky, who was probably the one of the best, if not the best, defensive player on the team. And uh, look, but they have some other solid guys that are looking to step up in that room. Lakia Henry, uh, you have Sam Williams, Cedric Johnson, etc. The Ole Miss secondary returns all of their starters from a year ago, including senior John Haynes. So there is some experience that is coming in that defensive unit, uh, especially on the defensive line. It's going to be a good test for the Louisville offensive line uh, right away with the size that they have on that defensive front in the trenches. So overall, I mean, it, it, it's a great measuring stick. It's going to be a great test right out of the gate. Uh, I don't want to get it twisted just because if Louisville lost the game, that doesn't mean the season's over. I mean, look at 2019. Louisville did lose against Notre Dame at home in that season opener and went on to have a very successful 8-5 and five season. So at the end of the day, you know, it's not the end-all, be-all. And it, I wouldn't necessarily consider it a must-win, per se, for the Cards. But at the end of the day, it is a great opportunity to set the tone for the season ahead. And what better way to have one of the two, one of the top two best tests than right out of the gate in Atlanta in an NFL stadium on primetime on Labor Day? So not only do you have the storylines and do you have, you know, kind of the superiority on the schedule in Ole Miss, you know, that is a little bit better than Kentucky, it's going to be better than Central Florida and NC State, just not as good as Clemson. But you also have reasons on the field. Ole Miss has got one of the most high-octane offenses in the SEC. They're going to again with Lane Kiffin at the helm once more. The defense is also looking to create some continuity and be able to capitalize on that experience. So it'll be interesting to look into that. We will preview this Ole Miss team throughout the week. Before we get into the final segment of the show, let's discuss a little bit about Built Bar, which is the best-tasting protein bar ever with nine delicious flavors such as coconut, cherry, mint brownie, raspberry, salted caramel, etc. There's a favorite for everyone. If you haven't tried all the flavors or you're just trying to get a feel for different flavors that are available, you can get a mix box where you'll get two of each of the nine. But not only are Bilt Bar flavors the best tasting, they're also healthy too. Most of the flavors have up to about 17 to 18 grams of protein, anywhere from 130 to 180 calories, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. They're all amazing flavors, but they're all tasty and healthy as well. So you can order today and get that raspberry or mint brownie or whatever you like. Be sure to go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off of your first order. Once again, that's use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Another opportunity that you need to take advantage of is BetOnline.ag. It's that time of the year again, and all eyes are turning to football as teams prep to get back on the gridiron to start the football season. The season actually just started this past weekend with college football. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, 
props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL Mega Contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest open now at BetOnline. Head to the website or use your mobile device today to sign up and receive your 100% welcome bonus. Be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo. Make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, guess what? Your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using the promo code NFL 100. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. And if you're not a sports fan, then you can always go to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait and take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. Also, use the promo code Locked On. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, so the final segment on this Monday edition of the show is obviously dedicated every week to the Monday mailbag. There's three questions that were proposed to me that I felt were the, the top ones. You can always submit yours to my DM or the podcast Twitter page DM. First question was one that made me think, um, you know, we talk about how this wide receiving core is kind of a wait and see and it's going to be by committee and it really would depend on who takes the the next step to solidify their role. This question It was one that stumped me, and it reads, Who's going to lead Louisville in receiving yards in Game 1 against Ole Miss in the wide receiving core? It can't be Marshawn Ford or a running back. I thought this was an interesting question because it's kind of a flip of the coin among a couple guys. I think Justin Marshall is a candidate for this question just considering that with the younger guys needing more time to solidify themselves and prove themselves, I think Justin Marshall is going to be a player that Gunter Brewer and Scott Satterfield rely upon heavily in week one to be able to be a leader in that wide receiving core. Um, but in my opinion, this is going to be Braden Smith. Um, I do like the fact that you know Jacques Jones is no longer with the team after transferring to Kentucky, so you lose that experience at linebacker. And the way Braden Smith, I, I project him to line up, I think we're going to see him used in a couple different ways. Um, Gunter Brewer, his press conference a couple weeks ago, admitted that positional versatility is one of the pivotal focusing points of this wide receiving room and also the team as a whole. But um, in, in this context, you know, he wants guys that can not only play out wide, but also play in the slot if need be, um, not only be home run threats, but can also, you know, catch balls over the middle and out in the flat. So there's a ton of uh, versatility that is sought after with the guys in this wide receiving room. And it seems like for the most part, the core possesses that trait. One of the guys that really can flourish in a new role, I think, is Braden Smith. We saw a little bit of him last season play extremely well in the slot. I think we're going to see him in certain situations in the slot this season. But I think ultimately at the end of the day, it's going to be more out wide for him after he takes on that new role. And like I mentioned, the opportunities are going to be there. I think he, along with Justin Marshall, are probably going to get the majority of the targets in that wide receiving room in week one. Even though the Ole Miss defensive backs room returns all of their starters, I think that the fact that 
Louisville can put Braden Smith in a couple different packages, I think that uh, there's going to be a big play or two that's going to result in him getting the most receiving yards for the cards. The second question is about Ole Miss as a whole. Where do you think they file in in the pecking order in the SEC West? That's actually a really good question because as some don't know, I actually have some uh, fandom with LSU as well. So I'm you know very familiar with Ole Miss and how they operate. In terms of where I think they're going to sit in the pecking order, I don't think they're going to be better than Alabama. I don't think they're going to be better than Texas A&M. I don't think they're going to be better than LSU. I think they are going to, however, line up in that four spot um, that is right in front of Arkansas. That's right in front of Auburn, Mississippi State. So the simpler, clearer, not jumbled up version is I think they're going to finish fourth. Uh, ultimately, I think eight and four, seven and five is where I have them pinned, and that's not kind of a necessary detriment to the team itself and my lack of faith in their squad because I am very high on their you know, potential this season. I think they could be one of the sleeper teams in the SEC that really poses as a trap game for some of these programs I have pinned uh, atop of the SEC West. But I think it's more of an indication and you know just kind of an overall. You know, glimpse of the SEC West as a whole. Alabama obviously is Alabama. I think LSU takes a step, you know, not necessarily like 2019 and winning a national title, but I think they're going to, you know, take a step into that right direction. There was a lot of things that went wrong in 2020 that I think they're going to build off of for a successful season. And then Texas A&M, I think that that's kind of where you might be able to flip-flop three and four with A&M and Ole Miss, and Auburn's kind of in that little group as well. It really just kind of depends on how the head-to-head matchups go there. But I do think Ole Miss is in the 8-4, to 7-5 range. I could see them any anywhere as high as 3 in the SEC West. I could see them anywhere low as 5. But they're definitely going to go bowling. And Lane Kiffin, you know, he's got one of the best offenses in the overall conference as a whole. So I'm very high on Ole Miss, and I think that they're going to have a successful season. The final question is about Ole Miss as well. And it's centered around the two quarterbacks, uh, Matt Corral and John Rice Plumley. Do you think that Ole Miss is going to use both quarterbacks against Louisville? And if so, in what capacity for both? This is a very interesting question, and I don't see a lot of Louisville fans and Louisville media bringing it up. Yes, we talk about Matt Corral and all the stuff that he does, but I don't think that you can overlook John Rice Plumley, especially with you know how bad Louisville's rushing defense was last year, with John Rice Plumley being a great dual threat. I say dual threat. He's probably more talented as a runner than he is as a passer, and that's where he kind of gets you. It kind of like a Garrett Schrader from Mississippi State that was looking at Louisville in the offseason. You know, being able to have a guy who can, you know, is very tough that can bounce between the tackles, but also you know, quick enough to burst into that second line of defense and cause some problems. You, in my opinion, in a Lane Kiffin offense and a guy that excels on being unpredictable as you can be as an offensive play caller. Of course, I think he's going to use both quarterbacks. Matt Corral is going to get the majority of the snaps, but you best believe that they're going to use John Rice Plumley in certain situations to some capacity, whether that be third or fourth and short. Or if it's evident right away that Louisville is struggling to stop the run, I think that's going to kind of be the indicator of how much Plumley is used in this game. But to answer the question, I think it's probably going to be about a 
a 95 to 5%, maybe even more. I think he's going to kind of come in in like a Taysom Hill role in terms of taking direct snaps and, uh, you know, utilizing in certain run pass options or just a straight speed option. But you can't discredit what Lane Kiffin can do as a play caller, and you best believe that if he has the talent at his disposal to you know, cause some matchup issues and possibly create a big play, by all means, he's going to do it, and you best believe that it's coming. So yeah, that's a great question. And the three questions were great overall. Like I said, you can submit questions to me or the podcast Twitter DM. Overall, we talked about why I believe that Louisville is going to return to that 2019 form of success. We discussed why I believe Ole Miss is, outside of Clemson, the biggest test for Louisville football this season. And we did the weekly Monday mailbag. Be sure to follow the respective Twitters. My personal one is at Depence underscore. The podcast Twitter page is at LO underscore Louisville. I want to give a couple shout-outs to a couple different podcasts. The first one being the Cardinal Sports Zone podcast, which just got debuted later yesterday evening and this morning. Um, a good episode there. You can get all of your weekly cardinal content along with a lot of comic relief as well the co-host there for which i am one there's a great beautiful mesh of talent and perspective and not only that but also just a bunch of comedy so definitely be able to check that out i also want to talk about locked on bets betting on the cards or any team doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new locked on bets podcast hosted by your boy q and handicapping expert lee sterling Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Best podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you like to get your podcasts. Like I mentioned earlier on the show, this week is going to be dedicated to not only uh, learning more about this Louisville football team, but previewing and getting to know the opponent, which will kind of be on par for the rest of the season. This week will be the season opener against Ole Miss. We're going to talk about three key players on offense and three key players on defense for the Rebels tomorrow. But as far as today, that's going to wrap up this Monday edition of the show. Everyone be safe, conquer this Monday, and we'll see you tomorrow.